All right, now we will have scripture reading, and it's from the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. In your pew Bibles, that's page 1002, and I will be reading from the ESV version. Page 1002. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were broken to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if we indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. May God bless the reading of this word. I now welcome up Pastor Jeff Arthurs as he will be preaching on Jesus better than Moses. I have one brother, and he lives in Hawaii, and he is a big-time outdoorsman hunting and fishing. He has rifles. He has a crossbow. And last February, I was with him there in Hawaii, and he took me wild pig hunting. He adds texture to my life. And um, he taught me a basic rule of hunting. And here's the rule. You have to see what you're shooting at. Very basic. <laughs> you have to be able to see what you're aiming at. And without that sight, uh, it's not going to happen. So we are wild pig hunting. It's pitch black. It's at night. It is raining. The mosquitoes are out. I'm covered with gear because the mosquitoes love me, so I have just a little thing of my face available. I cannot see anything, and we're walking around in the dark uh, in a macadamia nut orchard looking for wild pigs. We couldn't see anything. So then he pulled out infrared binoculars. Those things are cool. He let me look through them, and I looked. Wait, 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 what's down there? Oh, no, no, it's just some horses down at the end of the pasture. And what, 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 what is that? Oh, that's the truck that we drove in, and the engine was still warm and still, you know, radiating. And we never did see any wild pigs. I think, I think we heard some on the other side of a wall, but he told me, you have to be able to see what you're hunting. And here's a tool that helps you uh, see what you're looking for. I think this, uh, this, this idea of vision might be the basic rule in sports, maybe all sports, keep your eye on the ball. Some of you may be artists. You have to see what you're looking at. What is that color? What is that shape? Some of you are in medicine and healthcare. You have to see in order to diagnose. You have to observe. And this basic rule, 
I think is probably uh, a rule for discipleship also. In order to follow Jesus, in order to get what you're hunting for, Christ-likeness, walking in his steps, you have to see Jesus, the Son of God. And that's what our author is telling us, and that's what our passage uh, does today. Now, some of the recipients of this book um, had taken their eyes off of Jesus, and they were, as we've talked about in the past, they were drifting, or they were in danger of drifting. This actually happened to my parents. My parents were saved uh, soon after they were married, and with the zeal of new converts, they went off to Bible College, Barrington Bible College in Providence, Rhode Island. And they were going to be pastors and missionaries and serve the Lord. And even while they were at Bible College, they drifted away from God. And if you hear them tell the story, they took their eyes off of Jesus and put their eyes on some of their fellow classmates. I think they were disappointed in what they saw. I think some of their professors, they were disappointed in what they saw, and they concluded without rationally thinking it through, eh, I guess this, whatever happened to us when we were saved, I, I don't know if it has any substance in any reality. And they quit looking at Jesus and they drifted. So the author says, right there in verse 1, Holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. That word consider is an intensification of the normal word for to know or to think about. So it's like really think about, really concentrate. It means to hold the mind on, to fix the thoughts on. So Crossbridge, this ancient word came to this congregation, probably house churches, probably in Rome. And now 2,000 years later, it comes down to us. And the word for the day is... Keep your eye on Jesus. Fix your thoughts. Consider him. This is what we do on Sunday mornings. This is one of the reasons, one of the big reasons why we come to church. C.S. Lewis said we are like uh, in World War II, we are in occupied territory. And up in the attic, we have a homemade wireless set, a radio. Shh, we'll go up there in the evenings. Shh, 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 it's illegal to have this. And you tune in for news of the allies and you hear instructions and you hear messages and you take hope. The big day is coming. D-Day is coming. In the meantime, do X, Y, and Z. And here on Sunday morning, we, we listen in to the wireless, the Word of God. And we fix our eyes on Jesus and we take hope. All right, so this, this, uh, this, uh, helped, uh, this way that we fix our eyes on Jesus, the way we consider him, is by the author, by comparing Jesus to Moses. In the last chapter, he compared Jesus to angels. 
heavenly beings, and uh, Jesus is superior even to the angels, and here he's going to compare him to the greatest of all prophets, Moses. Now, he is not putting down Moses. In fact, as you'll see, he honors Moses. He praises him. He's not in any way uh, dissing Moses. Do you, do you say dissing? Do we still say dissing? I, I actually never did say dissing, but anyway, you get the idea. And he's not putting Moses down, but he's saying there is one who is even greater than Moses. And so let us consider our Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, consider him uh, well, here's, here's the comparison with Moses. Uh, you'll hear echoes of this in our passage. This is way back from uh, Numbers chapter 12. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Our text uses that phrase. With him I speak Mouth-to-mouth, clearly, not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. And so verses like that uh, uh, lifted up Moses in the minds of the recipients, in the minds of those Jewish Christians. He was almost deified. Some people said Moses is even a step above the angels. And the author says, yes, Moses was great, a servant in all God's house. But Jesus is even greater. And so he, the comparison comes uh, with Moses. First of all, Jesus was an apostle. Interesting term. It's the only time in the whole New Testament, the only time in all early uh, Christian literature, the early church, where Jesus is called an apostle. But there it says it right in verse 1. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So an apostle is uh, literally one who is sent, a sent one. And uh, a, a, a synonym would be an ambassador or an envoy, a representative from a higher authority to others. And uh, it is probably picking up, uh, for example, on John 20, where Jesus said, as the Father hath sent me, so send I you, but Jesus is a sent one. So let's say that this is God the Father. And here are we, humanity. And so God the Father sent Jesus to humankind. Here's a little symbol that will help you remember Jesus is the apostle sent by the Father. So, he's an ambassador. He's an envoy. He has a message. He has the will of God. John chapter 1 and uh, our text, Hebrews, says he is the word the communication. So God has something to say to humanity. God says, uh, I love you. I have a plan. I am building my kingdom. Get ready, repent, and believe the good news. And Jesus is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. 
our Christmas song, do you remember the line? It says, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Jesus is the apostle of God. Was Moses an apostle in the sense of being a sent one? He was. Do you remember? Uh, he went up on Mount Sinai and God spoke to him and he got the Ten Commandments and he represented God and to the people. And so he's not dissing Moses. He's saying, man, you want to talk about apostleship? He became human. He embodied the will of God. He is the sent one from the Heavenly Father. Now, this uh, first fact, this first designation about Jesus, the, the apostle, it taps into a deep human need, the need for transcendence, the need to know God, the need to connect with someone, something bigger than ourselves. Every human has a drive to connect with God. And the author of Hebrews says, well, that's why he sent Jesus. I was reading a, an interview that Tom Brady gave after he won his third Super Bowl. So this is back like, what, 2007 or something like that. And the interviewer was saying, okay, you've done it all. <laughs> the third Super Bowl, you're the greatest, you know. Uh, how do you feel? And Tom Brady said, feel okay, but I wonder if there's something else. And the interviewer said, <laughs> not many people in history have done what you have done. How do you feel? And he said, I keep asking myself if there isn't more to life than what I've accomplished so far. I'm 27 years old. I won three times. My word's not his. A city falls at my feet and honors me. And I keep asking myself, is this it? And the interview turned rather somber, and the interviewer said, well, what's your answer to that? And he said, I wish I had one. And so this need for transcendence, my life matters, I'm connected to something bigger. There's more in life than the dog-eat-dog dog and the, 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 the nine-to-five. And the, and the, God sent his son Jesus to represent himself to us with the message of God. And if we believe that message, if we become his disciples, your life takes on something bigger because he is the apostle of our faith. Second phrase, it's also there in verse 1, he is the high priest. Interesting phrase. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Here's a little symbol, because this term goes this direction. As the high priest, he takes 
humanity's sorrows and our sins and our problems and all the stuff of being human and he became human and he was tempted in every way like we are and he takes all that and he pleads and he says, Father, forgive them. (laughs) They don't even know what they're doing. And sometimes they do know what they're doing and forgive them. And the author of Hebrews says he is our great high priest. He's going to return to that in chapter 4, and then the entire part of chapter, all of chapter 5 deals with this, you know, superior to high priest, because Jesus is the high priest of our confession. And this taps into another basic human need, and that is forgiveness. Every person, including every person in this room, including every person on this platform, slogs along under a sense of inadequacy. Some deserved, some not deserved. And guilt and failing And Jesus says, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And he takes our sorrows. And he says, Father, I've been down there. I know what it's like. Help them. Forgive them. I have died for them in your will. Look at my hands. Look at my side. And he is our high priest. Next phrase, next uh, designation about Jesus. He is builder. Yeah, that's what it says there in verse 3. For Jesus has been considered worthy of more glory than Moses as much more glory as the builder of a house has, has more honor than the house itself. So what is the idea here? The word house, oh, by the way, here's a little symbol for you. First floor, second floor, roof. He is the builder of the house. The idea is household. The idea is he has built the people of God, the household of God. He's talking about Israel, the nation of Israel. And uh, Moses was a servant in that house. Two thumbs up for Moses. Jesus was the builder, the convener, the sustainer, the, the caller of this household of God. Here's a chart that compares uh, Moses and Jesus, uh, their location. Uh, Moses uh, was in the household. It says there in verses 3 and 5, Jesus is over the household. Uh, Moses was a member. He was part of the household, uh, a leader, yes, but just just one, one one of the gang, one of the people of Israel. Jesus is the builder of this house. And here's another basic human need. 
community. Part of a house, part of a household, connection, intimacy, being known and knowing others. That's what Jesus is building, this household of God. Because now you and I, Gentiles, are grafted into this household of God. We're part of this house now. Ephesians chapter 2 says, We are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Gentiles, people all around the world, have been grafted in, cemented into this household of God. That's part of Jesus' plan as the builder. Moses didn't even have that in mind. But Jesus is forming a family. And in this household of God, we experience acceptance, connection, honoring one another. You know, all the one another commandments of the New Testament, pray for one another, honor one another, um, uh, encourage one another serve one another. That's what happens in the household of God. Excuse me, the household of God. Now, each individual church, a small c church, expresses this, this great value of community at one level or another. Some are really good, and it's really beautiful, and it's wonderful to be part of that local uh, body. Other churches, uh, you know, they're, they're fighting among themselves, and it's not a happy place, and they're kind of dwindling and dying. But at this church, at Crossbridge, I'm not sure where you'd put us on this scale of, you know, living up to the ideals of God and not living up, but uh, I have seen beautiful expressions, love one another, serve one another, Pray for one another. Yes, admonish one another. Bear one another's burdens. That's the house that he's building. And it taps into our basic need for community and acceptance. You've, uh, you've studied Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. This is real common in business management and psychology and communication, uh, this hierarchy of human needs. Remember, there's one of the, the basic human needs for love and belongingness. And it is as, as if God says, yeah, that's right. I'm going to build a house and draw people in to my life. He is the builder, the builder of the house. Got one more. He is the apostle, right? He is the high priest of our confession. He's the builder of the house. One more here in uh, verse 6. He is the son. We could not claim that for Moses, as great as Moses was, but this is the son of God. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Verse 6, and thus he is the heir the beloved heir of all things. Now, Moses' job was to, uh, 
to talk about uh, uh, preemptively, to, to prophesy, to talk about the things that would be talked about later. And then Jesus came along thousands of years after Moses, and he embodied those things that Moses talked about. In theology, we call this progressive revelation, progressive, you know, gradually, progressively revealing more and more of the truth. For example, Jesus said um, uh, on, uh, in Luke 24, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to these couple of disciples, he interpreted to them everything in the scriptures concerning himself. This is interesting. He's talking about Moses and the prophets and the Old Testament, and he showed them the stuff Moses talked about and the stuff the prophets talked about concerning himself. He was adding another layer of clarity and understanding in this unfolding progressive revelation. For example, Moses uh, talked about the priesthood. Do you ever read Leviticus and, and those books he talked about what the priests would wear and how they would be set apart for this special ministry and what they would do and how they would offer sacrifices, and he, he did that. I don't think he was aware of it, but he was actually talking about Jesus, the great high priest. This was a picture. It was a forerunner. It was a shadow of what has been fulfilled. Remember, Moses talked all about uh, sacrifices, like you had to sacrifice uh, a dove or a pigeon, or you had to sacrifice a goat, or the big famous one that we know about, you had to sacrifice a lamb. They had that whole system of sacrifice, and then we jump forward to Jesus, and we know what was being pictured, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You don't have to do this, this final sacrifice daily and weekly and every time the people sin. He did it once for all. And so Moses testified about these things that would be spoken of later. He, Jesus said in John chapter 5, the scriptures bear witness about me. In our own book, Hebrews chapter 8, it calls the, the, the law of Moses and all this, you know, instructions, it calls it a copy and a shadow of what would eventually be revealed. Hebrews chapter 10, the law was but a shadow of the good things to come. And so, Jesus is better. Even better than Moses, who himself was a kind of apostle, and who himself played the part of high priest. And he was a servant in the household, but Jesus is the builder. And he was a member of the household. Jesus is the son, the heir of all things of this household. So, don't give up. Cling to your confession. Don't turn your back on him. That's how the passage concludes. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed 
we hold fast. Hold fast our confession and our boasting and our hope. We've arranged a song to remind us that Jesus is better and that we cling to him and hold fast to him. And the song says, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. And the song says, and when I am alone, give me Jesus. And the song says, when I come to die, yes, give me Jesus. Don't give up. Cling to him with all you've got. And when you come to die, Claim Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Here are a couple of practical helps that, some suggestions for how to hold fast. The book of Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself. How do we do that? Just a couple of suggestions. Spiritual friendships. You can be this kind of person to someone else. And if you don't have that kind of person in your life, pray for it and seek it. Encourage one another. Sing. Keep your heart warm. I've been going around this whole week singing, Give Me Jesus. Try praying scripture back to God. Wonderful way to pray. It'll keep your heart warm. It'll expand your mind. Here's a guide that I use. Uh, it's called Handbook to Prayer, Praying Scripture Back to God. Heavenly Father, we confess together that Jesus is better than angels and the prophets and everything in this world. Help us cling to him. Amen. Would you all rise as we...